Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about child training using the blog post that Jackie has written, the first one called Forming Good Childhood Habits in the Home at a Young Age. Next one is how to handle discipline in public. The next one is training isn't discipline, it's casual daily teachable moments. And the last one is called training a child is just a bit like training puppies, so stay tuned. Jackie writes, my heart has been overflowing with thoughts in the direction of forming good habits in our children. Painful thoughts since so many families seem on the brink of despair, but there is a solution. Charlotte Mason, in her book, Laying Down the Rails, a Charlotte Mason's Habit Handbook, says, The mother who takes pains to endow her children with good habits secures for herself smooth and easy days, while she who lets their habits take care of themselves has a weary life of endless friction with the children. Let's talk about an analogy to help us better understand how habits are formed. My father helped his opa, his grandfather, train pears in his father in his childhood home and later often related this simple principle of training children while young. Later, when visiting my father's early home, we saw loaded pear trees that had been purposefully pruned to take a certain shape. Someone had trained those trees to grow in that direction when they were saplings. Sure, fully grown trees might be trained to some degree to grow in a certain way, but it's so much easier to truly shape a tree when it is just a pliable little sprout. Charlotte Mason, a British educator who lived in the late 1800s, stated this principle for parents. What you would have the man become, that you must train the child to be. The early years are the perfect time to concentrate on forming good habits in our children. It's never too late to instill a good habit, but so much easier if we instill good habits right from the beginning. The Bible gives us the same principle, though not an absolute guarantee. When it says in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here are four musts to achieving good habits. The first must is the value of keeping your children with you in the home environment, even though very imperfect, instead of sending them off. To sit under the guidance of someone that you do not know cannot be underestimated. We cannot teach good habits if we are not there to gently form that young sapling or our work will be undone. Number two, understand that your child will not just simply grow out of his faults. Let's face it, our own little ones are often cute when they do wrong, but parents cannot afford to laugh at stubbornness, tantrums, or disobedience, or it will lead to sure trouble. We are witnessing this in our culture to a greater degree than ever before. They say the child is so young, he does not know any better, but all that will come right as he grows up. Now, a fault of character left to itself can do no other than strengthen, Charlotte Mason says. 
And a, ch- a scripture tells us, a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. Number three, be consistent. And I cannot overstate how important this is. It will probably be the most difficult thing of all, but in the end brings huge rewards for you and your children. The key to progress in any habit is repetition. Teach the habit by example as you allow your child to work alongside you. Explain, but no nagging. If necessary, show a picture. It's worth a thousand words. Do not consider it an interruption of your time. Pay now or pay later. Look for success. Praise goes a long way to reinforce right actions. The more times our children do the right thing, the easier it will be to to do the right thing more often than not. Soon they will be able to do the right thing without stopping to think about it. But if they do the right thing once or twice, then are allowed to do the wrong thing the third time, we've wiped out any progress in that new habit and have to start all over again. I tell you that a parent's imperfect efforts to home educate will bear more fruit than an environment that puts a strain on the parent-child relationship and obscures the Savior. The righteousness you long for in your precious family by God's generous grace can be yours. And that is a quote by Karen Andriola. Mothers, We are less likely to grow weary in well-doing if we are consistent. Formation is easier than reformation. I'll repeat that. Formation is easier than reformation. Please, dear reader, pray earnestly for wisdom to the Heavenly Father who hears us and don't give up. Number four, be vigilant. Know your child's heart by spending time with him or her. Allow them to open their little hearts to you and listen with attention and eye contact. You will learn so much. As you interact day by day, winsomely encourage with applicable scripture. It will take root in their heart. I encourage you to be in the word of God yourself. Develop a sweet attitude yourself, and it will overflow to your children. Though it's cliche, the statement more is caught than taught is true. Don't let Satan discourage you when you see bad habits all around you. Remember the verse in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. A few resources to help lay down the rails as good habits are several books. One is called Laying Down the Rails. One is called For the Children's Sake. One is called Habits. One is the Charlotte Mason Companion. One is Charlotte Mason Education. And one is called Teaching from Rest, A Homeschooler's Guide to Unshakable Peace. Listen to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. I will not return to me, and it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I will never tell you that changing bad habits will be easy or come overnight because you love your children. I will say it will be a hard-fought daily battle, but with the Lord you can do anything. It has grown me and stretched me in so many ways, but in it there is great joy. Third John chapter 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Once our children have come to see their sin and repent, accepting Jesus as their Savior, the Holy Spirit will speak to them of their sin and work in their hearts. You will not be alone in their training. What a relief to know God through His Holy Spirit is at work to form good habits in them then. Give them the weapon of the Word, the sword of the Spirit. 
with which to fight and be victorious and start when they are just tender sprouts. In his book, When I Don't Desire God, John Piper writes, If you would have power over the devil, and if you would escape the snare of his deceit and the destruction of your faith, then do what Jesus did and what all the triumphant saints have done. Treasure up the word of God and wield it like a sword against your foe. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And you might recognize those words because that is Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. Now let's talk about how to handle discipline in public. In the supermarket cereal aisle, the toddler screws up his face and lets out a scream to rival a horror movie heroine. In the public library, the preschooler refuses to leave the children's computer area and has to be physically picked up and removed while kicking and screaming. This is by Sarah Hamaker with permission because both of us want you to thrive, not just survive. We've been there. As a mom of four and a foster mother, I've had my share of public displays of temper and misbehavior from my children, including the above-mentioned memorable moments. I still remember my hot cheeks and temper as I struggled to maintain my composure while dealing with a squalling child as others stared and probably judged me for having a child behave in such a way. No matter how angelic they are, most of the time our kids will misbehave in church, at the store, at the park, on a play date, at a sporting event, or at a party. Being prepared before going out in public will make a world of difference in how you respond. Before we tackle how to handle discipline in public, here are two important things to keep in mind. Delay delivery of consequences when possible. There's a secret calm, confident parents know and that you don't have to hand out punishments for wrongdoing immediately. Here's why. Children begin to form long-term memory around age three which means if your preschooler can tell you at dinner what he ate for breakfast that morning, you can hold off giving consequences for several hours. As your kids get older, you can delay serving out justice for infractions by several days. This is good news for the parent whose four-year-old decided to throw a temper tantrum because she didn't want to wait for her turn at the, at the slide. You can simply help the child calm down rather than punishing the kid right then and there. When you return home, remind the child of what happened, then deliver the consequences. Keep your cool. Yes, I know this is easier to read or hear than to accomplish when your child is kicked out out of the soccer game for unsportsmanlike behavior. But seriously, no one wins if you're yelling at your child. If you tend to blow your top when your kids misbehave in public, 
Learn your own physical anger cues. For example, do you clench your jaw? Have tears spring to your eyes? Then work on recognizing those before you lose your cool. Develop your own anger-reducing methods, such as deep breaths, shoulder shrugs, shaking out your hands, and rolling your neck to help you regain composure. Chances are your child's already embarrassed by his behavior, so having a a parent pile on with angry words won't help the situation. Instead, stay calm, and the situation will be resolved much faster and with less angst on everyone's part. So let's look at three ways to handle discipline in public. First, help your child calm down. Your child's usually upset about something, so tone things down rather than ratchet up the heat by guiding your child into a calmer state of mind. Deep breathing or simply standing quietly by your tantruming child can work. When our four-year-old foster child gets upset in public, I hold his hands and sing one of his favorite songs in a low voice until the storm passes. Music can be a wonderful way to calm an upset child. Number two, keep it private. If at all possible, gently pull your child away from prying eyes to correct him. I recommend doing this at home if you have other children. Praise can be given in public, but discipline should be done in private. For privacy in a public place, try the restroom, dressing room, or your car to address the issue. Number three, keep shame out of it. There's no need to heap guilt on our children in public, or most times in private as well. But with others potentially listening in, your child will likely already feel embarrassed, so there's no need to add parental shame to the mix. See the articles Jackie has written called Shame on You and Is There a Place for Shame in Your Parenting Toolbox for more on shame and discipline. So let's look at five ways to help your children learn before you leave the house. While the above suggestions are great for when you need to address misbehavior in public, wouldn't it be better not to deal with it at all? Lay out expectations before you leave the house. Go over the ground rules for the outing before you get in the car. Remind them how to behave, such as holding your hand in the store or sitting in their chair in the restaurant. While my kids are teenagers now, I still do this on occasion to make sure they're mindful of my expectations. Role play each situation. We did this a lot when our kids were little. For example, we pretended to go to the store by piling in the minivan, then exiting in our driveway. With four young kids in tow to run errands, I taught them to stand with their backs to the car so I could keep my eye on them while getting the baby or toddler released from the car seat. Practice, practice, practice. The adage, practice makes perfect, can apply to so many situations, but especially to how children behave in public. If your child hasn't been behaving in public, do dry runs, where you don't need to complete a shopping trip or meet friends at the park for a play date, with the sole purpose of letting your kids practice what you've taught him in role-playing. Does this take time? You betcha. But the reward of having a child who not only knows how to behave in public, but actually does it most of the time, is priceless. Prepare ahead of time. Is there anything worse than trying to buy an appliance in a big box store with four kids, under eight, in tow? That was us one year ago. So knowing the wait would be longer than my children's patience, we came prepared with a bag of quiet things to do, like coloring books and pencils, lace-up cards, magnetic paper dolls, etc., Each child had their own bag, which they used during church, in restaurants, and at other outings where the kid-friendliness factor hovered close to zero. Reward good behavior, sometimes. I'm not a fan of bribing kids to behave, but I am a fan of giving them unexpected treats as a reinforcement for good behavior. 
However, it needs to be totally random for this to be truly effective. In other words, your children should not be able to predict when you'll spring a treat on them for being good in public. They should know that occasionally you might notice their sterling behavior and provide a sweet thank you in the form of a trip to the ice cream parlor, a favorite destination in our house, or a stop at the park. And finally, if you see a mother or father struggling with a screaming child, say a prayer for her. Send her a sympathetic look or tell her she's doing a good job. If you can assist in a tangible way, such as unloading her grocery cart or staying by her stuff while she deals with the kid, then do so. Don't judge her for this one dreadful moment. It can happen to any parent at any time with any child. Instead, use the moment to build them up as a parent. We can all do with a little more charity and kindness in the world. And we have the power to start with a simple word of encouragement to the parent of a tantruming child. With a little planning and practice, you can stop fearing public displays of misbehavior and meet any such moments with calm confidence. If you still make the occasional stumble, don't despair. There will be other opportunities for you, both you and your child, to get it right the next time. And this article first appeared on Crosswalk in April 28th of 2022. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS? TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. Now let's look at training isn't discipline, it's casual, daily, teachable moments. What memories I have of my mom training me to peel potatoes. My Dutch father loved boiled, peeled potatoes. He loved them so much that we had a big pot, sometimes twice a day. Each day she would pull out the potato peeler from the kitchen drawer and she'd show me how to do it. My little five-year-old hand soon learned how to grasp a potato in my left hand and the peeler in my right. We had one of those old metal peelers that have a sharp blade that kind of wiggles over the sides of the potato as it removes the brown skin from its surface. Sometimes I'd get the knuckle of my finger peeled too. You were left with a smooth, white, firm potato that you had then to cut into smaller pieces with a knife. Those many potatoes were, that were peeled and cut each day went into the pot filled with water, a dash of salt, and was brought to a boil on the stove. Even today, I still prefer using a knife and cutting by hand instead of using the more speedy Cuisinart processor to cut vegetables. Modeling my mother's hard work and happiness in the kitchen developed many of these same things in me as a young child. I just wanted to please her. Sometimes we would race each other to see who could peel potatoes fastest, and sometimes we'd cry when the starchy water from that pot of potatoes would boil over and run down into the ring that housed the burner since we didn't have smooth stovetops those days. But mainly we worked together, and I knew I was her main helper. She needed me as the oldest of four and let me know she appreciated me in many little ways. I saw that she was tired, but she didn't rub it in or manipulate me with it. 
She also had my older sibling, my other siblings to teach, and teach she did. We all learned. As I look back, I know I must have left her with more to clean up, yet she made me a part of her day as best as she could. Training in obedience need not mean correction or discipline. It does mean easygoing, teachable moments caught here and there, as you teach your child in how to be capable at life skills. From the youngest years when you cook a meal, have your little child, girl or boy, beside you, maybe on a step stool, as you talk to them through the process of of the steps. Delight in your productivity with some pretty music playing to accompany accompany you. Make your home a happy place. If you do any number of daily activities and don't involve your children, then you're not training up your children, you're actually harming them. When you train a child to enjoy an ordered room, they will enjoy an ordered room. When you train up a child to work with talk, laughter, and enjoyment of that child, he will feel the satisfaction of a job well done and feel valued. When you train a child to be on time, to be kind, to work as a team, to use time wisely, and to notice what needs to be done without being asked, he will likely become a responsible and productive adult. Although we did our share of spanking for foolishness, the norm should be train up. Not talking to your blue in the face, not using timeouts or threatening and repeating. Those later things train in resistance and avoidance. It starts with showing and laughing and working side by side and allowing mistakes and practice and more tra- and more practice. So take your little daughter and don't forget your son. Wash your hands and ask her up into your lap. Sit if you have to at first when you make your next sandwiches or PBJs. A child will naturally imitate you. They learn by repetition. It will slow you down considerably, but her or his joy in helping will be immense. And more important, they will be in training to love to work with their hands. For working with the easily distracted or less than diligent child, Doorposts makes a go-to-the-ant chart filled with short, memorable Bible verses. We used this when our children were young and it helped so much for understanding what God said about certain behavior. Here are some scripture verses and a quote that will help you and your child to transform your mind during those young years of training up. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Colossians three twenty three and 24. It is the working man who is the happy man. It is the idle man who is the miserable man. Benjamin Franklin In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. And lastly, let's look at the article, Training a Child is Just a Bit Like Training Puppies. 
kids today. It's a phrase I've heard more than once from small business owners who are hiring. They're referring to employees in their 20s who threaten to quit or complain soon after starting because the workload is too much or the work itself isn't quite what they expected at this age and stage in life. Now, it shows some flexibility that these millennials feel very comfortable moving around to find their perfect gig. But one also wonders, where's the adaptability, the grit, or the work ethic? I never thought to question having to work long hours during my first two jobs in my 20s, because I believed a good work ethic would help me prove myself and move up, and it did. Why have we all but stopped the normal early training of children, as in previous generations, which has helped kids build mental muscle? This requires parents to be mentally strong as well. Watching kids struggle, asking them to face their fears, and holding them accountable for their mistakes is tough. But those are the types of experiences kids need to reach their greatest potential. Several parenting beliefs have given rise to kids who are ill-prepared to cope with life's challenges. It's an issue that educators are grappling with today as colleges are focusing on ways to teach resiliency. It's clear that grit and resilience will benefit our kids in school, especially once they get into the real world. Training a child is just a bit like training, I'll cost stressing, puppies. Now, don't get all shocked that I'm loosely comparing training children to training puppies. This is an analogy. When our kids were young on the farm, we had wonderful great Pyrenees named Anna, and we raised her puppies to become working farm dogs. We learned how to stress train those puppies to get them ready to be productive, competent, adult working dogs, capable of protecting small farm stock or even guarding children. It, would do the, it wouldn't do for them to be fearful of new situations or their surroundings, so we had to give them small stresses gradually over the last three weeks they had with us before going to their new home at five to six weeks. Simply put, we had to, quote, stress them. Starting at eight days old, we took them for short periods, like 10 seconds, away from their mother. Boy, were they unhappy. But right back they went to their mama, and we would pat them and say, they're there, it's okay. And just so you know, I do not advocate this for human babies, lest someone say I do. Every day we would gradually take the puppies for a bit longer and farther out on the farm to learn some of the ropes. But soon they'd go back to mom. They learned quickly. They became calm and eager to learn. At one point, we actually put them in an area with several noisy, feisty hens that were bigger than them. They soon ignored the hens' bluster, but they also learned the hens weren't their next meal or playthings. It was a great little business for the children, and one of the reasons it succeeded and people would pay a premium for our puppies was because the puppies grew to be exceptionally well-adjusted, eager to work adult dogs, and word spread. They were confident with their role, and they could be counted on. While that isn't a perfect analogy and puppies are very different than children, the outcome is intended to be the same. Veterinary Dr. Bruce Fogel's book, The Dog's Mind, says that early handling in some dog circles, it's called stressing, in a puppy's life can be good for the emotional development of the dog and will make him better able to cope with stressors later on in life. Mild stressors early in life influence the adrenal pituitary system, fine-tuning it to respond in a sensitive and graded manner later on in life rather than in an all-or-nothing fashion. Findings according to EEG readings on puppies showed that dogs mature faster if they undergo mild stresses early in life. They also perform better at problem-solving when they're older than do other dogs. 
Even mild stress in the newborn period is good for a pup's mind. Constant temperature, comfort, and freedom from adverse conditions do not make for better puppies. Mild stress accelerates body growth, reduces emotionality, emotionality, and may even increase resistance to certain diseases. What we can be certain of is that a hands-off policy of leaving it to nature is definitely not in the best interests of the puppy. It is also not in the best interests of our children. So here are 12 quick tips to training stresses to grow a responsible, resilient child. Number one, raise your child with the expectation that we always clean up our own messes. When, ch- when kids hear the constant friendly expectation that we always clean up our own messes, don't worry, I'll help. Here are the paper towels for you. I'll get the sponge. They become both easier to live with and better citizens of the world. Two, provide understandable routines and structures. These give a child repeated opportunities to manage themselves through a series of not especially fun tasks. First, they master the bedtime routine and cleaning up toys and getting ready in the morning. Then they develop successful study habits and hygiene. And finally, they learn basic life skills through repetition of household routines, like doing laundry or making simple meals. Three, try to always let children do it myself and help even when it's more important, more work for you. Toddlers want desperately to master their physical worlds, and when we support them to do that, they step into the responsibility of being responsible. Number four, rather than simply giving orders, try asking your child to do the thinking. You could ask, what's the next thing you need to do to get ready for wherever you're going? The goal is to keep them focused on their list day after day until they internalize it and begin managing their own tasks. Or you could also ask them, what's the next thing you need to do to get ready for the next chore on the list? Number five, teach your child to be responsible for her interactions with others. Teach children that their treatment of others has a cost and that they're responsible to make restitution when they do damage. Model apologizing or asking forgiveness so they will learn how. Number six, kids need an opportunity to contribute to the common good. It helps to steadily increase responsibility in age-appropriate ways. Invite toddlers to make napkins, to put napkins on the table. Three-year-olds to set places. Four-year-olds can match socks. And five-year-olds can help you groom the dog. Six-year-olds are ready to clear the table. Seven-year-olds to water plants. And eight-year-olds to fold laundry. Number seven, don't rush to bail your child out of a difficult situation. Be available for problem-solving helping him work through his feelings and fears, and to ensure that he does not just sidestep the difficulty, but let him handle the problem himself, whether it requires offering an apology or making amends in a more concrete way. Number eight, remember that no kid in his right mind wants to do chores. Unless you want your child to think of contributing to the, ch- to the family as drudgery, don't make him do chores without you until they're a regular part of your family routine and one that your child does not resist. Your goal isn't getting the job done. It's shaping a child who will take pleasure in contributing and taking responsibility. Make the job fun. Give as much structure, support, and hands-on help as you need to. Know that it will be much harder than doing it yourself. Remind yourself that there's joy in these tasks and communicate that along with the satisfaction of a job well done. Eventually, he will be doing these tasks by himself. That day will come much faster if he enjoys them. Number nine. Support your child to help pay for damaged goods. If kids help pay for their own, from their own allowance for lost library books or tools they've left out to rust, 
the, cha the chances of a repeat infraction are slim. Number 10, model responsibility and accountability. Be explicit about the responsible choices you're making. It's a pain to carry this trash till we get to the car, but I don't see a trash can and we never litter. This sign says parking's reserved for handicapped people, so of course we can't take that spot. Keep your promises to your child and don't make excuses. If you don't follow through when you promise to pick up that notebook he needs for school or play that game with him on Saturday, why should he be responsible about keeping his promises and agreements with you? Number 11. Never label your child as irresponsible. The way we see our kids is always a self-fulfilling prophecy. Instead, teach him the skills he needs to be responsible. If he always loses things, for instance, teach him to stop any time he leaves somewhere, his friend's house, school, soccer practice, and count off everything he needs to take home. Number 12. All kids need the experience of working for pay. Our kids earned money and the value of it raising puppies. It teaches them real responsibility in the real world. Begin by paying your 8-year-old to do tasks you wouldn't normally expect of him, washing the car, weeding the garden. Then encourage him to expand to odd jobs in the neighborhood, walk the neighbor's dog, or offer snow sho shoveling service in the winter. Move on to mother's help or babysitting jobs when it's age-appropriate, and finally take on after-school or summer jobs. Few settings teach as much about responsibility as the world of working for pay outside the family. Children change the moment parents change their approach to parenting. Help your child succeed in life by appropriately training and strengthening them sooner rather than later. Training your kids in a healthy, appropriate way will help them bloom with responsibility and confidence that serves them well for a lifetime. Yes, while puppies and children are vastly different, it is the sense of training. In the sense of training, they are quite the same. Here's a quote by Jonathan Lewis. Our children don't need us to be perfect, thankfully. They just need us to be faithful. And God can take that simple faithfulness and turn it into something wonderful in time. And Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.